a lot of times in the church community, you're told scriptures are given to basically let you know that if you if it's not an adultery situation, that there really is no grounds for divorce. And I know a lot of people who are stuck in very misaligned relationships because their religion will not allow them to get past that narrative. Hello, and welcome to the Authentic Wednesday podcast. Each week, my guests and I share our vulnerable behind-the-scenes stories of giving ourselves permission to take off our mask, let go of our expectations, and embrace our own path of freedom and authentic connection. I'm your host, Bianca Hughes, a lover of authenticity and a licensed professional counselor in Georgia. Hello and welcome to the Authentic Wednesday podcast. My name is Bianca Hughes and I am your host of this podcast. Today I have a guest on the show, a very dear friend of mine, and she is going to share her heart and her experience of divorce in the church. As I was talking to her, I realized that the guilt and shame associated with divorce is not just in the Christian community, but also other religious communities as well. So I think this is a really great talk to listen to and shall I say a conversation. And ultimately it boils down to knowing God loves you and experiencing his love. So my guest today is Suzanne Moore. She is a makeup artist, writer, and lover of life with an eye for all things beautiful. She has a passion for helping women heal from broken relationships and overcome the limitations that keep them from fully experiencing the very best life has to offer. She likes to share her life experiences in hopes that the wisdom she has gained can help someone who may be going through the same things that she did. One of Suzanne's core beliefs is that women's empowerment happens through healing from personal trauma and making healthier life choices that empower women to live their best lives. Only then will those around you begin to level up. She currently resides in the Bay Area, California, and she also loves tacos. So let's go ahead and get into the conversation. So hello, Suzanne, and welcome to the Authentic Wednesday podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Excited to be here. I'm excited to have you and talk about a very important topic. So tell me, how do you define authenticity? So I would definitely define authenticity as the ability to show up a hundred percent as yourself to be able to speak your truth, to stand in your truth and just to be yourself basically and not feel the need to become something else for anyone else. So yeah, authenticity is showing up a hundred percent as yourself and being comfortable with that. I love it. I love it. So people always want to know, have you always been authentic? I feel like I have just because Generally speaking, even though I've gone through different phases in my life, I feel like my personality and who I am as a person has been pretty consistent um, throughout the years. Now, do we all have areas that we can improve on with certain things that we're working on? Yes. But I feel like generally just because of how I was raised, like just how my mom, you know, instilled in me certain things to be myself and to show up as myself. So, yeah, I think generally speaking, yeah, I have always brought that authenticity of who I am 
to to the world. You know, that's a really, really important thing. And that's a blessing because I'm sure, as you know, everyone can't do that or everyone, people have a hard time with that. So we have had some people on the show where it was definitely instilled in them as from a young age to be themselves. So one of the places, so just to give you a bit background, me and Suzanne go way back. <laughs> way back. So um, to the days of uh, pole dancing, to the days of being in ministry together. And so one of the things we tend to talk about and we always talked about in No Substitute was that there is no substitute for God. And in our conversations and in what we taught, we really talked about a lot of subjects that were not talked about in the church. And I feel like we were really raw and really open about a lot of the stuff that we talked about. And one of those things was that you specifically talk about and you still talked about and that you went through is divorce in the church. (laughs) (laughs) What was that like for you before you got divorced and you were thinking about it and all these thoughts would come up, of course, based on, I'm sure what people would say, what was that like and what came up for you? So I'm really glad we're talking about this because um, I feel like it's a much needed thing that needs to be discussed in the church because I feel that generally speaking, the divorced demographic in the Christian community is not really ministered to, talked to, and it's often approached from a very one-sided one dimensional aspect. And I think that there's a lot of people that are divorced that need to know that it's okay if you get a divorce, that God is not mad at you, that you can get remarried. One of the things that I really dealt with when I was in the stage of my marriage, towards the end of my marriage, where I was really in this phase of considering getting a divorce. And it was a very just gut wrenching process for me because. The in the church environment that I had been immersed in for so many years, there was really a narrative that was promoted that you absolutely should not get a divorce if it's not for one particular thing, which is if the person cheats on you. Scriptures are given to basically let you know that if it's not an adultery situation, that there really is no grounds for divorce. And I know a lot of people who are stuck in very misaligned relationships because their religion will not allow them to get past that narrative. And so when I was in the stage of really contemplating, should I stay in this relationship or should I get out? Should I leave? That was something that really like, I was stuck on that a lot because I had been told so much that you really have no grounds. And so there were people kind of in both camps of my ex-husband. And then there were, you know, my friends who all had their own perspectives. I had people telling me, you should stay, you should try to work it out. This is a covenant. He hasn't, you know, cheated on you. And so you really have no reason to get a divorce. Then I had people who I felt were more in tune with what I was really dealing with, like in the relationship, who had a more grace-based understanding of the human experience and God's heart towards his children, that I was able to weigh and balance all of these different perspectives and then hear from God for myself. And so I had to make a decision 
on, you know, what I felt was going to be best for my life. And I had to also, God really ministered to me in the whole process that he cares about the whole, the holistic life experience of somebody, that it's not just about this particular scripture says this. And therefore, if based on your understanding of that, you know, if you do this, then, you know, you're outside of the will of God. You know, I had people that were kind of, and God bless them. You know, they were doing the best that they could based on their understanding of marriage and divorce and stuff like that. But, you know, people, I had somebody tell me, you know, this is out of the will of God. You're moving out of the will of God by getting a divorce. Um, and these were very difficult things because I was really dealing with a lot of condemnation around getting a divorce as a Christian because it was drilled in my head that it's just not acceptable to get a divorce, that, that God hates divorce. And, but God hates a lot of things. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> I can think of several things in the word of God that, that specifically say God hates these things, you know? And so it's what I found was that in the church, there's this real hang up about Christians getting divorced as if it is the absolute end all be all bad decision that you could make. And I find that we almost in the Christian community put marriage itself on a pedestal. We almost make an idol out of it to such a point that we forfeit the well-being of the individuals in the marriage for the idea that marriage is such a high God-ordained thing, forgetting that that God cares about the individuals in the marriage. Like we can't just throw the people away that are actually in the marriage for the sake of the institution of marriage and paint God as this, you know, taskmaster that absolutely refuses to acknowledge when their children are deeply unhappy in a marriage relationship. And so I learned about God's grace. I learned about God's love and how he really cares about our happiness. I heard people say, God doesn't care about your happiness. He cares about your holiness. I, ha I heard people say that, you know, you just have to push through. You just need to, you know, pray more. You just need to understand that, you know, as a Christian, push through it. And the thing is, is that when you're in a misaligned relationship that, um, God did not necessarily put together in the first place, there are going to be things that play out in those types of relationships that sometimes are not recoverable from. And sometimes it's not always a cheating situation. You know, we are people who have spirit, soul, body. We have intellect. We have all different layers to who we are. And sometimes we make choices that are not necessarily the best choice for a marriage partner for us based on our understanding at that time in our lives. And sometimes when those things play out, we realize this is a very misaligned situation for me. And I know within myself, I'm not happy here. And so to, to promote the idea that God doesn't care about that, I feel is very irresponsible. This idea that God doesn't care about that. All he cares about is the institution. And I think that actually damages a lot of people and it keeps them in situations, stuck in a situation that they 
based on their understanding of the scriptures, they can't get out of. And so I did deal with condemnation. I had to really work through guilt. I had to work through like church guilt, feelings of like for a long time. And this sounds crazy, but I really struggled with this idea that my next relationship or marriage would be cursed because I got a divorce that I couldn't remarry that I couldn't, you know, and then God is so awesome because in my process, I was able to get actual accurate, proper teaching on the scriptures and understood context, what was being said in certain scriptures and understand that a lot of the things that people are cherry picking out of the Bible to use towards people to not get divorced is actually not even the heart of what God was saying in those scriptures. So um, I just learned a lot about how to rightly divide the word, what God meant when he said certain things, and just the grace of God to understand that God's grace is greater than any mistake or wrong turn that we make. So I I totally agree with you that there is this idolization of marriage in life in general, and then definitely in the church. I've definitely been guilty of that, of idolizing marriage, idolizing men in that concept. And so for me, the idolization of of men or the idolization of marriage is like everything's going to be perfect or you're now going to be whole or you're now going to have everything you need. And I'm sure you can relate to that as well before you got married. And sometimes this happens and sometimes it doesn't always happen. But do you feel like that was a pressure for you to get married um, to your ex-husband? So I definitely feel like, let me say, first of all, I never really had a, a sense of like pressure around marriage until I came into the church. Because I wasn't really raised with the knight in shining armor narrative. Like my mother was a world traveler and she actually always taught me before getting married, make sure that you do everything you want to do so you can fully devote so your, your life to your marriage when that time comes. It wasn't until I came into the church at the church that I was at and was totally immersed in new ideas that I'd never really been introduced to before because I wasn't raised in that environment. I came into that later in my life. So I'm now being introduced to all of these new ideas and narratives about marriage and stuff like that. And I do remember around the time that I met my ex-husband, a lot of my friends were getting married. A lot of the, you know, some of my, my, the people in my peer group that were in my age bracket, it seemed like they were all getting married. Like, you know, Everyone was getting married. It was like this boom of marriages taking place. And I do feel like in that environment that I was in and with all these new teachings I was getting about marriage and all this stuff. And then they had like the singles ministry and then the marriage ministry. And it's like, you're in this world. And I do feel like at that point in my late twenties, early thirties, I definitely felt almost like a manufactured need to like that this is the time that I should be getting married. This is the age that I should be getting married. It seemed at that time that that's like just the logical next step. You're in your early thirties. You're kind of 
made to feel like that's the age where you should be married and start a family and stuff like that. And everyone around me was either married or they were engaged. And so I do think that that did shape kind of this feeling of like, yeah, it's time for me to get married. You know, I should, I should start keeping my antennas up for possible husbands, you know, definitely. And I think that it, like I said, um, in that environment that I was in, it was like, it just seemed like that was what everyone was doing, mm. you know? Um, and when you're around married people and you, you're getting all these teachings on marriage and all this kind of stuff, it does kind of create a desire in you. Oh, well, this is, maybe this is, you know, this is like, I should be married, you know? And it can become kind of like, uh, going through the motions of this desire, you know? And so now people start trying to hook you up with people and, oh, I know somebody great, you know, this great guy in in the church, you know, and, oh, you know, it's like almost like also, I feel like sometimes the married couples can project onto you as a single person that, you know, you should be married, you know, or that, you know, what's wrong that you're not like married or, you know, it's kind of like these unspoken narratives that are kind of in the church community. You know, it's almost like marriage is just kind of put up there as like the finish line thing. Um, I don't remember any married people saying to me, hey, have you traveled the world? Hey, have you done this? Hey, what about this? Because none of these people had done that. So their world was come to a great church, sit under a pastor, get teaching, get married, start a family. It was like a very just, I don't know, it's very weird. It's like a weird thing in the church. So yeah, I think I did feel subconsciously like some type of that this is the next step. This is, this should be the next step. Wow. That's some good gems. Which leads to other problems. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's some really good stuff. How did you overcome that decision? So all of these things are coming, all these narratives, people are coming at you. You are, of course, getting the support, but it sounds like the biggest thing was that fear, that inside turmoil yeah. to make that decision. Absolutely. How did you make that decision? What happened was my ex-husband and I were in a period of separation and we were not divorced yet. Um, and I said for myself, I was going to take 90 days to really pray and seek God. And the way I was able to come into peace about the decision was a few things. God deals with me a lot through dreams. And so I had a couple of dreams in which God showed me that if I were to take this leap, that I would land on my feet. And that I would be able to go on and have a very fruitful and thriving life. So I had like a couple of dreams and it's like, God knows what you specifically need to bring peace and confirmation for you based on how you're wired. So he knew dreams were a way that I consistently, so he gave me a couple of dreams. And then he also, I'll never forget, he spoke to me and said, if you choose to leave this relationship, I'm going to bless you. And it was like, Wow, because one of the big things I was dealing with was that if I left, that 
I wasn't going to be blessed like in my future relationships. And it's so, it's just crazy that I actually like believe that. But again, like you're immersed in all of these, these stories that are kind of told to you. And I remember he told me, it was like, if you leave, I will bless you and you will have a thriving, fruitful life. And I'm glad that I know God's voice well enough to where even though I was shaking and scared, I knew based on the dreams he showed me, he gave me a very distinct dream in which he showed me basically it was confirmation. What he spoke to me was confirmation of that dream. And he said, the phrase he gave me was take the leap. And it was like this idea of jumping out of an airplane, like skydiving and the parachute opening and you landing safely with no injuries. And it was like, that was the image that he gave me. And he told me, he said, you will have a thriving life. And I began to lean in to that word that he gave me. And I started really leaning into God as love and a loving father. And also the Lord, um, he told me, he said, in, in the natural realm, even with your natural father, if you go to your parents or your parents and you go to your parents and you say, I'm in this relationship, I'm really unhappy. And your parents who gave birth to you, who know you, who all a parent wants is for their child to be happy. And God was like, in the natural, would you tell your child, if your child came to you and said, I'm just really miserable and unhappy, would you tell them, well, you just need to stay there and stick it out? I don't care how you feel. It doesn't matter. You need to stay there and you need to figure it out because you made this decision and now you're in it and there's no way out now. So you better figure out how to be happy because and he was like, would you tell your, your child that? He said, so why do people think that I would make my children who I dearly love and created in all of the intricacies of how I created them and know how they're wired? Why would I force my child to stay in a relationship where they are not happy? And I'm not just talking about, look, we all go through things in relationships where it's not always like you're going to be happy. I get that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a deep sense of, I cannot show up as myself. I do not feel like I'm able to be 100% authentic. It's funny because I found a journal a couple of days ago as I was cleaning where I was actually journaling during that time. And I wrote down a list of things that I was feeling in that relationship that were not, these weren't just like, oh, I'm just going through a bad day. These were like core things about who I was. You asked about authenticity. I was, I was addressing core issues that related to an authenticity that I felt like I could not show up as in this relationship. And I was deeply unhappy. And that's the type of stuff that we have to like understand that God cares about that. Because marriage is supposed to be like where you're coming together with somebody to sh both of you guys showing up authentically to be able to accomplish a greater purpose. But if both people cannot do that, you can't walk together in that situation. And so the Lord like really showed me his heart and was like, I would, a parent wouldn't even make their child in the natural stay in a situation where they were miserable.
because that's like you want the best for your child. And so I think the church has really gotten it wrong a lot with people who are divorced or going through divorce because of religion. And they can't like let go of the stories that they have in their head about. And also it goes back to your view of God. If you think God is like, you know, a lot of times people, they see God like how they see their particular parent. So if your parent was like this taskmaster, no grace, no room for error, and that's how you see God, you're going to project that onto other people and make them feel like that's how God is. And I learned through this experience, the real love of God and the grace of God. And he was like, I want you to be happy. I care about, I care about how you feel in a relationship. I care about if you can show up authentically and be yourself. I care about if you feel seen and heard. Yeah, I feel like that there's so much power in knowing the love, not just knowing the love of God, but experiencing the love of God. And you have to really take your time out. Like I always um, be, be thankful for the teaching that we were under that we were always encouraged to read the word for ourselves. And in reading the word, for myself, I was able to experience the love of God for myself and have that understanding on what it means to be a child. And I totally agree with you that there are times that you have to sit back and you have to be like, well, would my mom do this? No, my mom wouldn't do that. So, you know, why would God do that? Would my dad do that? No. So why, why would, and, 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 I will say it's not like that for everybody because there are people who have experienced parents or caregivers who are taskmasters and are not loving. Um, and I always tell those people, think of an, an adult who was caring. And so it's almost as like that's forgotten once we get into relationship, into relationships, into the church or into that's like kind of, kind of forgotten or, or put aside. So I'm so glad that you took those 90 days and you had that, your own revelation for yourself um, because there is nothing that sticks stronger and firmer than your own revelation of what God has said. And, you know, that's, and I love that you said that God knows you, so he knows how to speak to you. Um, not that it's an audible voice, but he knows some people it's, nature some people it's images some people it's dreams some people it's through other people some some people it's through experiences some people it's through movies it's different for everybody and it's not in this box as I like to say as well so um thanks for that you probably need your own show (laughs) (laughs) I'll put that in the crock pot and think about that because I really think this needs to be talked about even in more depth you know So one of the things that did happen, which I think it's important, is that you're going through all these feelings. So now you've gone through the divorce, you've taken that leap and you've you're going through this process. And so correct me if I'm wrong, if this was during your divorce after. But um, I can imagine you're going through a lot of emotions, a lot of questioning. And you also started dating around that time, too. could you tell us just really quickly about that experience and what you took from that? 
And this is not uncommon, you know, when people are going through divorce or they're separated from their spouse in the process of going through a divorce. It's not uncommon to meet someone during that time that, you know, of course. So I I did start a relationship with someone um, while I was in the process, in the separation process. Um, well, I, I put it like this. I started a relationship with the, with someone while I was my marriage was on its way out. Okay. Um, again, I have no shame about sharing my story about it, you know, whatever, I'm not going to go into all the details, but got into a relationship. And of course, now this was in a very dark place in my life. You know, I was not, so I'm, I'm like, not even, you know, all of the stuff that w- I wasn't feeling fulfilled in, in my marriage, it was like, I met this person and it seemed like, at that time, in that moment, they were providing things that I felt like I wasn't getting in my marriage. Um, not proud of it, not one of my greatest moments in life, but it is what it is. Um, and so, so you're in this space where you're empty, you know, you're in a dark place in your life, you're you're coming out of a situation where you had you just I didn't realize how um how empty I was in the relationship until there was a contrast of someone showing up who seems to have a lot of the things that I didn't feel like I was getting in the relationship. You know, that's how, that's how it happens. And when you're in those situations, it can almost feel like this magnetic pull to this person who seems to be like the answer to all of like what's missing, you know? This is a classic case of coming out of a relationship and like, oh, here's this person that like appeared to have all of these qualities, literally everything. And that's another thing. When when the person appears to have everything, like nine times out of 10, (laughs) they don't have anything that you're trying to, you know what I'm saying? Like, but it feels so (laughs) real because it's kind of like when you're starving and like you're in the desert and you haven't had any water and you haven't had any food in days, like, and like that wildebeest looks great, <laughs> you know, or that, like that, whatever it, it looks like it's you're cause you're hungry, you're starving. You know what I mean? And I'm, that could be emotionally starving, physically, mentally, intellectually, whatever the case may be whatever the area of dryness is in the marriage that was cultivated, it is very common that someone will come along. And the problem with that is, is that you're not healed. Like I hadn't even, I had like, I hadn't even touched like any of the reasons why I was even in the situation in the first place. Like, you know, cause in your healing process, you, you unpack all of the layers. Why did I get married in the first place? What space was I in childhood wounds? What drew me into like, you're not even, you're not even touching that stuff yet. You're just in a strictly a space of I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. And right now in this moment, like this is what I want and this is what I need. And the problem with that is that, Of course, most relationships that you get into when you're coming out of another relationship, they're doomed from the start. Like usually it's very rare that you're going to meet someone coming out of a marriage and end up like, you know, starting like living forever with that person. Like that's just not how it works because you're not healed. You're 
you're thirsty, you're hungry. And so it's not a real relationship. You think it is, it feels real. It feels great in those moments, but it's just not real, you know, because you haven't, you haven't healed. I hadn't even like processed through like all of the stuff that happens in my marriage. You know what I mean? Like, it was just like, and so I, we, we started this relationship and of course it ended, you know, it didn't, it didn't, it, it didn't end well. Um, and it didn't work out, but dating coming out of a marriage is a really bad idea. <laughs> like, <laughs> discourage you, you know, from, from even, you know, because you're not like, and so whatever issues the other person has that you might not be privy to, you can't even see that stuff a lot of times until you're, you're deep into that relationship. And then you realize like more stuff is coming up because now like their issues are coming to play. And then like you have your stuff you haven't even healed from. So those type of relationships like never work out. Like I, I, I highly discourage anyone. Like if you can, when you're coming out of a marriage, discipline yourself to be like, I'm not going to get involved with anybody, but it's really hard. You know what I mean? Cause I did learn a lot of things through that experience as well that were necessary for my ultimate healing as well. But, um, yeah, like those type of relationships are really not a good idea because you get enmeshed with someone because you're so emotionally turned around. And like, by the time stuff starts coming out in this relationship, that's like bad, then you're like, it's even worse. So when I finally ended that relationship and that relationship was like on and off for like a couple of years. And then I ended that relationship. And when I fully like cut that relationship off, I feel like that's when I really entered into a period of deep, intense healing. And so when I, I cut that relationship off, I told God, I was like, I'm like not dating anybody for at least one calendar year, at least 12 months, no romantic relationships. It's just me and God, and we're going to walk this thing out. I'm not going to use anybody else as a numbing agent to ease my pain. I'm not going to, I'm, I'm going to sit with this pain with God and just let God work it out. And so that year turned into two years, turned into three years. Wow. <laughs> and, um, now I'm in my third year of, it'll be like next month, it'll actually be three years since I completely cut off that last relationship. Wow. And Love I can it. honestly say I'm in the most amazing place in my life. Um, it's just been an amazing journey because I've been able wow. to travel. I've been able to just so many, so many things have happened and just mentally, spiritually and emotionally, I'm in such a good space. But I feel like my decision to just not enmesh myself with anyone for at least a year really like helped me to heal. I love that. I love that because, oh my God, you said so much good gems. Um, I love that. What did you say? I'm not going to use anyone as a numbing agent. I think I'm going to have to steal that. But um, <laughs> and, I, and like when you're in the situation, I don't think that you realize it's like you're not thinking of it like, oh, I'm using them as a numbing agent. Because like when you're in those moments with someone like I really did like this person, like I really did care for this person. It wasn't like. I really believed that this could possibly be something, you know, that just shows how not really in reality I was coming out of the relationship with my ex-husband. But um, 
it wasn't like you're purposely thinking like I'm doing it. It's like, but as you go through your process, you realize that relationships can become a way for you to escape the pain of your previous situation. Because Mm. like I was dealing with a lot of guilt around divorcing my ex-husband because it was like also besides like the, the church, you know, aspect of it, I just really had this thing in my mind, like he's such a good person. And like, I just felt bad. I just felt really bad about divorcing him at that time. Um, but at the same time, I knew that I had to do this if I was ever going to truly like be happy. But there was a huge part of me that like just really felt guilty about initiating the divorce because he didn't want the divorce at the time. And he was also, it was crazy because it was like, he was kind of on the camp of like, you have no reason to get a divorce. And so he was kind of pushing that towards me. And then I had friends that were pushing that towards me. And it was like, I really had to look at like, what, what do you really want? You know, not what everybody else is saying, but what is best for you, you know? And so I dealt with guilt a lot with initiating the divorce from him because it was like, he didn't want the divorce at the time. And so it was all on me, like with this whole situation, because it wasn't like we both agreed, okay, we're going to get a divorce. It was like me, like, no, I want a divorce. And so that was even more tough because it was like, he was looking like, but I haven't really done anything that would warrant you getting a divorce based on his understanding of the Bible. So it was like, so it's a huge weight that you were carrying. You were carrying uh, extra weight, I would say, or extra baggage or extra guilt, which kind of sounds more like the shame. Yes. um, Than the guilt, because then that kind of gets, the shame, the guilt kind of gets into your core and turns into shame um, of not only am I doing this thing that the church says I shouldn't do or questions, but I am making that decision. I am going against everything I know and I'm the only one making that decision. Yes. And that is whilst, yes, there's a lot of guilt, that is so courageous and that is so brave. I just want to let you know because when everything is stacked against you and you choose you, that's powerful. Yeah, and it was like really additionally, I really felt judged at the church that I was going to to the point where I ended up leaving. Like I I started kind of veering away from attending there because there were so many people there that knew about the situation and there were stories floating around about me and like a lot of different things. And it was, it was just really hard. Like that was a really hard time in my life because I felt like there were so many, I kind of felt like just the woman who got the scarlet letter pinned on her, you know what I mean? Um, And you don't know what people are saying. And like, even people who, you know, were friends at the time that had their own ideas in their head about me, because, you know, 
my ex-husband, he was hurt, you know what I'm saying? And he was talking to people and it was just felt for me, it was better for me, for my well-being to like leave that environment and go worship somewhere else. And that actually helped my healing as well because I didn't have to deal with whispering and people talking about me and me seeing that. And it was just like, let me just, and that actually was a catalyst to me moving on just in life period, like from that particular place of worship. But that was like the catalyst of me kind of like changing directions with that particular church. But yeah, it was really, it was really tough, like um, facing the condemnation and the guilt that was, and the shame. I think that was like the biggest healing work that God did in me to bring me into like more of an authenticity, even more, because it's like, when you decide to draw a line and say, this is not in alignment with who I am as a person. And I, even though this is tough and I'm probably going to be judged for it, I would rather be judged for being authentic and speaking my truth about the situation than to live a lie. Like I, I would rather just, you can think what you want. Everyone else can think what they want, but at the end of the day, I'm the one that has to live with my decisions. And I'm the one, and I, it was like, I felt like at that age that I was at 38, cause now you're talking about. Oh, we didn't even get onto yeah, how old you were. That's another thing. <laughs> because that's another yeah, thing. That's another thing. What, that, and you didn't have any kids too. I didn't have any kids. And um, it was like, that was another thing when you asked me, like, how did I come to the point when God was speaking to me about it, I realized that at my age, I had two choices. Like, it was like, because I was 38 when we actually got a divorce. So I'm like two years away from 40. And I realized that like, either you're going to, if you stay in the situation, there's a high likelihood that you're going to be miserable for the next 40 years of your life. And I had to weigh this like, you know, or I could leave the situation and God told me, you know, I will flourish you and bless you. I could leave the situation and take a chance on starting my life over and possibly, you know, at the time, like possibly experiencing the greatest future life of my of of my life by taking a chance and taking the leap and for me yeah for me the idea of what lay on the other side of taking the leap was more exciting to me and more like that possibility even though I hadn't even seen it yet like I didn't know I was going to travel the world and like do all these things none of that was even in my mind but it was like just the possibility that there's a possibility that I could meet the love of my life and find a relationship that was like really for me and all of these different things. That possibility was more um, appealing to me than the idea of staying in that relationship and sticking it out and being unhappy for the next 40 years of my life. Because I was like, you only have one life to live. You know, you only have one life to live. And at 38 years old, there is the realization that like, okay, you're at a major crossroads here. You know what I'm saying? Because mm -hmm. 
you, you do want to have a family, you do want to have children. And, and I'm not even saying I'm on the thing of like, oh, you know, once you hit a certain age, you can't have kids because my mom had me at 44. So I'm not like one of these people that's like, oh, you know, but what I'm saying is I had to really look at from a time timeline perspective of where I was heading, like into my 40s. It was like, you know, if you take this leap, there's a whole world of possibilities on the other side of this. What is more, I had to weigh that. And for me, the weighing of it was leaning overwhelmingly in the favor of take the leap. Yeah, I think that's good because you mentioned that because um, I have this conversation with people a lot. And um, especially when it comes to, well, we've been together for 10 years, we've been together for five years, or we've been together for 20 years or 15 years. And I always say to them, okay, that's great, but that's the past. How many more years do you have to live? And especially, I know that's a big thing for women to stay. There's so many other reasons, but that's another big reasons. But I've, it's the time factor, whether it's we spent all this time together, whether it's my um, clock is ticking, that we make these um, oh gosh, I really need to do this episode on age. Um, <laughs> we make these decisions based on, and I've done them and I've been guilty of them. We make, we base these decisions on our age and what we should know by now or what we should do by now or what we should have by now or what our life should look like by now. And we base it all on age and we often miss the possibilities for the future and who we are as a person. And so I'm so glad that you brought that bit up because I think that's a very, very powerful piece. And I'm glad that you chose that because you have flourished in so, so many different ways. What's crazy is like, I actually feel more vibrant, more alive, more myself now at 43 than I did at 38, 37, or in our marriage. Like, God truly will redeem the time, like, if you trust him. And, like, because, you know, when you hit 40, you realize, like, you see how quickly 40 years flew by. And then you think about, in another 40 years, like, I'm going to be 80 years old. And you're like, okay. Once you start like getting over into 60, 70, 80, it's like you, I mean, I, I'm just saying like, I realized like that crossing point from thirties to forties, if it was like, almost like God was like, if you're going to move, like you need to move now, do mm -hmm. not, do not prolong this because you're now entering into the next decade of your life. And this is a time you really want to be like flourishing. And like, so it was almost like, that 90 day period, I had to make some real strong decisions. And it was very scary because you're heading into the unknown. You know, it's like, you don't know what's on the other side of this. And you have made a life with someone for like, I mean, because we were dating slash engaged for two years before we got married. And then we were married for like basically six years. So that's like eight years of my life. So my entire 30s were in this marriage, basically, you know, pretty much. Um, and then the last two years of my thirties were the divorce process and stuff like that. And the healing from that last relationship. So it's like, there's a turning point. We're all going to come to crossroads moments in our lives that determine the trajectory of the next 10 years of our lives. 
And so that was a turning point moment for me where I had to really ask myself the hard questions. And that's why you really have to tune out what other people say, because at the end of the day, it's your life. They're going to go home to their wife or their husband and their kids and their family, and they're going to give you their advice. But at the end of the day, you're the one that has to live with your choices, whether that choice is to stay or whether that choice is to leave. And I'm not saying this in a way to say, I take marriage seriously. I, I, I definitely want to get married again. And I don't want to like, you know, I don't believe divorce is just like an out, like, okay, you're having some problems, so get a divorce. That's not what I'm saying. But I do feel like there are situations where the best life for those individuals, the best quality of life that God has for those individuals is not together. Yeah, I love that. Mm. So, oh my God, we can talk forever, I know. but <laughs> we're going to wrap up. Okay. So what do you want to say to the listeners? What do you want them to know? So I want the listeners to know if you are someone who is considering divorce and you are a Christian and you pray about it and you really, I just want people to not be in bondage. That's what I want. I want people to be free from bondage. I want people to understand that there is a quality of life that God wants you to live. And sometimes in order for you to reach that quality of life, you're going to have to make decisions that disappoint other people. Going back to authenticity, at the end of the day, I want people to be more concerned with staying true to themselves than they are other people's opinions, religion, um, their church. Like at the end of the day, it's about your personal relationship with God and it's about your best quality of life. And understand also that if you've gotten a divorce, God loves you. And if it is your desire to be married again, God will bless you with a spouse if that is your desire. And feel like your future is compromised because you made a decision to get a divorce. Divorce is not the end of life. For a lot of people, it's the beginning. Hmm. I love that. Thank you. Thank you. Where can we shower you with love and thanks and comments and all of that? Okay. So um, I, my Instagram is Suzanne Moore Makeup. No spaces or dashes or hyphens. That's my Instagram. You can find me on Facebook, Suzanne Moore. And what else? What else? What else? Those are my main two social medias. My email address, if you have questions, or you want to chat about something you might be going through around divorce, my email is suzanne.beautymarked at gmail.com. And you can shoot me your questions there. Okay. You know, if somebody wants to talk there too as well. Cool. Thanks. Oh, last question. Did you have, I think you did, you had a couple of resources that you use during your divorce. Can you just share that with us? So a book that I read that was like my go-to, you guys, that helped me uh, is a book called Escaping Toxic Guilt. And it's by a lady. Her name is Susan Carell, C-A-R-R-E-L-L. That book was like, oh my God, that book helped me so much because it really dealt with a lot of religious um, bondage people get in. It was not a specific Christian book. Like they dealt with religion across the board because it's not only in Christianity that divorce is also frowned upon. It's in other religious beliefs as well. But this was a really great resource. She walks me through like all of getting over that book. So Escaping Toxic Guilt. And 
what else? What else did I? There were some other books. Another person who she had an online kind of like healing group. Her name is Melanie Tanya Evans. That's uh, Melanie Tanya T O N I A Evans. And she has an online kind of therapy program that I really did. It was like a hundred, maybe 175 bucks. And you get these different modules that you can do. And that helped me through healing from the post marriage relationship as well. But, but that program also helped me dig into some of my childhood wounds that also tied back into my marriage as well. So Melanie Tanya Evans and that book Escaping Toxic Guilt were two of my go-tos. And of course, my support network of friends and the word, you know, of course, but um, those are the two outside things that were my primary resources. Okay. Well, thank you so much. And we'll put all that information in the show notes too. And thank you so much. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Wow. Wasn't that a powerful, brave and courageous conversation? Or shall I say sharing? I said to Suzanne at the end that she covered so much. I had so many questions for her, but she pretty much answered all of my questions without me having to ask them. And she just bravely shared her experience and just wanting to help others be free. So thank you so much as always for listening to the podcast. Please take the time to review the podcast, subscribe to the podcast, because of course this is what helps other people know about the gems that you are listening to. And don't forget to tag us on Authentic Wednesday podcast on Facebook and also on Instagram. So thank you so much. And of course, all the information will be in the show notes. Thank you. If you connected with what you just heard, please subscribe, rate and review the podcast. You can stay connected by following our Instagram, Authentic Wednesday podcast and visiting our website, AuthenticWednesday.com. Remember, authenticity is a journey, not a destination.